You're listening to Two Guys Talking Wine with Michael Pincus and Andre Pru. All right, you're listening to Two Guys Talking Wine. My name is Andre Pru from andrewinereview.ca, and this is a very special edition of this podcast because we are talking to Michael Pincus, the co-host extraordinaire, live from the road in Italy. That's right. Yes, I am. I'm in, I'm in Faenza at the moment, which is just outside of Bologna, I guess. Did you eat a lot of bologna in Bologna? That's not really how that goes, but thanks a lot. You're welcome. Oh, yes, I guess I'm Michael Pincus of MichaelPincusWineReview.com. Yes, I am. It's not bologna. Actually, mortadella is what you eat a lot of around here. I'd take that. That's pretty good meat. Yeah, it's good meat. That's really good meat. So I guess Actually, we... Fianza is known a lot for their, for their culinary stuff. Like that's what this this area is known for, and actually tonight we just came from a pizzeria called uh, Oh Fio More. Uh, wait, what is it called? Oh my gosh, I can't remember what it's called, but it was really good. Well, I guess we can tell people listening right now. It's currently six p.m. in the Eastern Time Zone, and it is quarter after midnight in Italy, which is why you might sound like you're a little tired. Uh, well, I've also been on the road for eleven days, so and it's a lot of tasting. It's a lot, a lot of tasting. Uh, people think, you know, you know, you post stuff on Facebook and on Twitter, and a lot of people think that it is just all fun and games. But, uh, you know, when you sit down for, let's say, the Chianti Classico collection, because I was, I was in Tuscany, and they have over uh, close to 400, uh, close to 400 wines. And you've got to try and taste them in two days. That's a lot of wine. And then, and then you end up in, uh, you know, Vino Nobile, which is probably the, the least of the tastings. But that's still, uh, you know, close to 96 wines. And, and San Gimignano, which is um, home of Bernaccia, which is a white wine. And, you know, they have 30 to 50 producers, each having two wines. So you're looking at 100 wines there, all white. And then you do Brunello. Brunello is uh, 120, let me just read the thing here, 127 producers, each with probably a minimum of two wines. So... It's a lot of wine tasting over over the course of, of the time. Okay, so we know you've been tasting wine in Italy, but what exactly have you been doing? Tasting wine. <laughs> but what for? What for? Like, what's, what is this for? Oh, it's uh, this is the Antiprima. This is the time of year that uh, a lot of uh, Italian regions um, bring out. Uh, well, first of all, it's, it's, I guess, winter here. Now, uh, where we are, winter is, you know, when I left, it was minus 35 degrees with a wind chill of 50, minus 50, if I'm not mistaken. That's what I had been hearing. And we got snow here in, uh, in Tuscany and, uh, and Romagna. It's been about anywhere between 7 and 15 degrees. One day we got up to 18. And um, uh, it's, but it's been raining uh, pretty solidly. And... Um, yeah. Oh, and so this is the time they bring in the uh, the press uh, from both uh, lo- uh, local and abroad to taste wines. Chianti, uh, Tuscany does it, and they do it in four regions, which is, um, as I said, uh, the Chianti region, Chianti, Chianti and then Chianti Classico, um, and San Gimignano, Vino Nobile, and Brunello. So that's what they do. And then um, if you're lucky enough, uh, you can get invited to uh, other parts of Italy because 
a lot of the other anticlimas that are around know that, you know, Tuscany brings in about 200, 255 to 300 press. Wow. And so they know they're here. So why not try and jump on that bandwagon and find out who you can also bring to your region? I know fellow Canadians went uh, went over to Umbria, Montefalco, to taste uh, Cyclantino. Um, uh, myself, I went from Tuscany to uh, Faenza uh, to taste uh, Sangiovese, uh, Romagna. Anyway, that's that's what happens around here, and it's you know it's it's the quiet time, you know, summertime. Obviously, people head off to Italy, but at this time of year, it's winter and not many people come. So I guess they get a break on hotels and food. And, yeah. Why don't we start at the beginning? Because, you know, this is, I will admit to everyone listening to this podcast that Italian wine is kind of a weakness of mine. I don't know a whole lot about it. I really prefer really cool climate stuff. So I drink a lot of French wine when I'm not drinking Ontario wine. And, um, I'm, when I think of Chianti Classico, I'm picturing a bottle with a straw bottom and generally a candle shoved into the neck of that. Well, usually those are now uh, uh, ornaments in their restaurants. And actually, I was in a restaurant on Valentine's Day, believe it or not. They, the, um, the house wine was their own wine. And uh, it was uh, Sangiovese. Okay. And they, I guess, for the tourists, had the the straw around the bottle. But it actually was very good wine, considering what you're paying in at the restaurant. I think we got a bottle for six dollars or six euros, um, and the euro this time is about a buck and a half for our dollar. So, so what are you generally paying for a decent bottle of wine uh, over there? Well, it depends what you consider decent, but if, you know, restaurants, it's, you know, fairly inexpensive. A glass of wine is, let's call it three euros, two euros, depending on where you are. So if you're in your hotel bar, you can pay, you know, five or six euros, but if you're in a restaurant, you'll pay about three euros. Three euros, um, so five bucks, is that, sorry, is that for a bottle or for a glass? That's for a glass. It's a good size glass. Uh, I know we've done a half liter for six bucks, or six euros. I keep calling it bucks, but I mean, you know, when, when you're over here, it means euros, but I still call it dollars. Um, yeah, I, I, and, and, and a, good, a good bottle of wine, uh, you know, ex-seller, which is at the cellar door, uh, three, four, five euros. How many bottles are you bringing back okay. with you? Well, Andre, I don't know how, many, um, uh, how much traveling you've done into, uh, into wine country. Uh, I know you've been to California. I know you've been to Beaujolais. Uh, I know you go to Niagara. So bringing back bottles are pretty easy from there. And if you drive into California, theoretically, you can bring back a lot. Uh, our, uh, our government only allows us to bring back two. And if you're lucky, you can throw a third into there and they won't, uh, won't make a lot of noise. But um, I learned from uh, our good friend, Conrad Edgebeck, a year ago that uh, you can buy wine anywhere. Good wine, bad wine, whatever. You can buy wine anywhere. But uh, olive oil, especially in, in places like Italy, is worth its weight in gold. And it's a kind of olive oil that you, we just don't see uh, over. So uh, olive oil, balsamic, chocolates, European chocolates. That's really what I'm bringing back. I have to be honest. It's, there's not a bottle of wine in the suitcase. Interesting. Well, um, yeah. 
But there's a lot of olive oil and there is a lot of chocolate. In fact, one of the interesting things that I picked up in a patisserie over here is Grand Cru chocolate. I don't know if you've ever had Grand Cru chocolate. I have not. How is that different than regular chocolate? This is supposedly the best of the best chocolate from certain places of the world. So I have six bars of Grand Cru chocolate from places like Venezuela, Guyana, uh, Cuba, places where they actually grow cocoa. Yeah, Venezuelan yeah, so chocolate is, like, is is really good, and there's a few places in Toronto that you can find it where they specify where it is. And the thing about cocoa that a lot of people probably wouldn't think about it is it is a lot like wine. Terroir is extremely important, and you can yeah. taste the terroir depending on whether it's from Venezuela or anywhere else. That it's Ghana, from. Cuba, or you know, the Dominican Republic. So uh, for three euros, I got um, I got uh, a bar. Well, I got six bars, so three times six. So eight, eighteen euros, I've got uh, six bars of this stuff, and and you know, at some point, I'm going to do a chocolate tasting. I'll be looking forward to seeing that. Will you be doing a, a grape guy video to review chocolate? I don't. I don't really know what I'm going to do with it. Uh, I just kind of went. That sounds really neat, and um, that's what I'm going. I'm going to just bring it back. I just. I, I love chocolate. Though. It's, that's another passion of mine. You know, movies, uh, chocolate, um, wine. Uh, it's just it's, it's, you know, we all have our passions. And um, I just saw this, and I thought that's that's the coolest thing that I've seen in a while. So I, I just gobbled it up, not eating it because it's going in the luggage. But uh, I was like, I've got to get that. I got to check that out. So maybe if we if we don't open it. Maybe we'll do a little podcast for that. That might be something interesting. If you can hold on to it, that's something worth exploring. Now, look, I guess I won't keep you too, too long because I know it's late there and it's it's towards the end of your trip. But let's break it down because now we've gotten completely off topic and we're talking about chocolate and olive oil. That's nothing new. For wine lovers, give me like a top three list of uh, your highlights wine-related from this trip. Um. Well, that's a tough one because a lot of the stuff that, that I taste is never going to make it to our shores. Uh, but you know, Chianti Classico, uh, there's some there's some really good. It's a uh, it's a it's a pretty good vintage. Um, it's the 2000, and um, I'm just checking it up to make sure I get the right the right year. Uh, you know, it's the 2014 Chianti Classico that we're looking at. Um, it's a good vintage. Uh, I'm I'm happy with the wines that I tasted. Um, uh, the Brunellos were also pretty good. The Vino Nobile uh, was good. You know what? I have to be honest. Tasting Italian wine uh, on Italian soil is different than tasting Italian wine on Canadian soil. It just all tastes better. Um, it's just, it's, it's just, and you know, uh, for those who go to tastings, you know, you go to either the winery or if you go to Toronto and you end up at Roy Thompson Hall and you're tasting Italian wine, let's say. That's where the big Italian tasting happens at the first Monday in November. And it happens at Roy Thompson Hall. And that's where you end up tasting Italian wine. Here, uh, when you're in Italy, you taste uh, at places like Stazione Leopoldo, which is the first, It's no, sorry, it's the second railway station in the world. Wow. Um, at, uh, you taste at the Forteza. For Vino Nobile, you taste at the Forteza, which is an old castle, fortress. Uh, 
here in Faenza, we tasted at the uh, uh, Museo de uh, Ceramice, which is the Ceramic Museum, which is a UNESCO site because it's the only, uh, if I'm not mistaken from what I heard, it is the, because it's all in Italian, so I don't speak any of it, but it is a UNESCO site because it is the only ceramic museum in the world. So these are these are really special places that you're tasting. It's not Roy Thompson Hall. It's not um, it's not the AGO. Uh, it's not the Rome. It's these are old ancient buildings that have bullet holes in them. But that's another story. That is another story. Actually, it's really it's really interesting when you talk about the experience of of where you're tasting the wine because there's actually one thing that you told me as a piece of advice. Um, before I took my first trip to to France, and it was about buying wine, and it's about when you're traveling and you're buying wine, you need to make sure that you're enjoying that wine way more than you think you are inside your head, because it's just not going to taste the same when you're home and you uh, aren't experiencing the same things. And I think uh, whether we want to admit it or not, even as writers, we try to be as unbiased as possible, but the experience definitely has an impact on what you're tasting and where you're tasting it. Uh, tasting with the winemaker or in the place where the wine comes from uh, always uh, skews your your sense of what's good. And I have had more bottles come back uh, from trips that you know I open up later and I go, why why did I even like this wine? I don't know because you're just so enthralled at the time of being in Germany or Portugal or Italy or wherever you are, and you're just like, this is so good. But it's really the surroundings. It's all about wine is not just about what the wine is in the bottle. The wine is about what's going on around you. A crappy bottle of wine with some really good friends is better than a great bottle of wine with lousy company. Well, that's the thing about uh, experiencing the tasting. And I think it's one thing that obviously your hosts have got nailed down is when you're in a, in a, in a milieu, whether it's a UNESCO site or you're surrounded with great company, it will help amplify the memories of what it is you drank and what you ate. Very true. Very true. And uh, it, it is, you know, it's special to be here. Uh, it's, uh, and it's, 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 a, it a, it's a privilege and an honor to taste this wine. I know that sounds like something that you're supposed to say, but I mean, it really is. that They've, they've invited you here. They want you to taste a lot of wine, and it's it is a it is grueling. As again, I'm going to say this: people think it's all fun and games. You get you know wine and dine and, and everything like that, but they they actually want you to do stuff. And at the end, you have to write things about it. They just don't send you out there and say taste wine, and then we never want to hear from you again. They definitely want you to either write, or blog, or tweet, and it's you know and talk, and it's a lot of talking. Uh, I think I'm looking forward mostly to the uh, flight home because it'll be quiet. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, and I know, uh, I, I know as well. I could definitely vouch for that. A lot of people, when you tell them that you're tasting a lot of wines in a sitting, I know from my own experience. I've told people when I go to a, a really large tasting. Uh, everyone's all like, "Oh man, that must have been so much fun." I'm so jealous. When you sit there and you have to taste. Uh, uh, even a hundred wines in a sitting or a hundred wines over the course of a couple of days, it is exhausting. It is difficult. Uh, I mean, your mouth gets tired, when, especially when you're at a place like Chianti Classico. And I'm, I'm guessing that a lot of these wines have a very similar flavor profile. Obviously there's good and bad ones, but it's, it's tough to just taste all these wines that taste the same. 
you know, Chiari Classico, um, but uh, in Brunello and Vino Nobile and, and San Gimignano, all these places with a lot of wine, one of the tough places to taste is Rurohem um, uh, now, which is uh, Romagna, because it's doing the Reserva, which is two years in a row, and, uh, and they're very young, and they're very tannic, and they're very much acidic. Uh, I, I, I do believe that Chiari has it down. Uh, the, the ones that they show, the classical, you know, round and smooth, they're, you know, they've got good acidity to them, but they've got, you know, they've got a nice balance. Romagna is a, is a tough tasting. Uh, it's wine that needs aging, and it's a, and a wine that needs food. I could easily sit down with a bottle of Canti Classico and drink it, uh, whereas the Romagna Sangiovese, it, uh, we tasted some older stuff, which was lovely. Just, you know, 10-year-old, fantastic and could still go. But, you know, the young stuff, really tannic, really acidic. It's almost harsh. So that's that's the difference. And that was that was today's tasting and that that just rips your mouth apart. Wow. Well I know that you mentioned that you're gonna be writing about some of this. When can we anticipate starting to see some of your uh your notes on this wonderful trip to Italy? Well the uh Vino Noble is is already up. Uh, I've already done my notes for a couple of the tastings. Uh, I would think the next couple of weeks it's all going to be up uh, on the website at michaelpingiswinereview.com. All right. Well, by the time this is posted, you'll either be up in the air or horribly jet-lagged, but uh, I'll let you get back to finish packing because it's now 1230, and oh, I'm, I'm sure you're probably going to sleep pretty well. Uh, you know what? Uh, when I when I fly, I always keep one eye on the clock, so I probably see every hour because I'm always worried that I'm going to miss my bus. Well, if you miss your bus, you're stuck in Italy a little longer. Yeah, but then I, I got to pay for it. All right, fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> I Thanks, guess we'll, we'll, we'll talk soon, and until next time in two weeks. I'm Michael Pinkus from MichaelPinkusWineReview.com. Coming to you live from Italy. Well, I guess not live, but pretend. Uh, I'm Andre Pru from andrewinereview.ca and just remember you can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. Good night. Good night. Thank you for listening. You can subscribe at twoguystalkingwine.com.